0: Welcome to Bible and Bourbon with Pastor Ben. Today we are discussing Matthew chapter 9 verse 14 through 17 and 35 through 38, the harvest and the workers. Our prayer request this week comes from a listener named Jim. Jim's father has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's for quite a while, but last week they had to move him into a nursing home. It has been stressful on Jim and his entire family, so please continue to keep him and his family in your prayers. Today, I am drinking something quite a bit different than I normally drink, but a listener asked me if I wouldn't give it a try in a bit of my review. So it is not a bourbon or a whiskey at all, but it is instead Old Kentucky's 502 Wineries barrel red red wine now it is a red wine and not a bourbon but it is aged in bourbon barrels and particularly a listener wanted me to give it a review and of a little bit of an explanation about 502 winery as a whole he's planning on coming to Louisville in a few months and would like to go on a few bourbon tastings but has someone in his group that would like to go on a wine tasting as well 502 Winery is an interesting winery because it is an urban winery, so if you go and do a tasting there, you won't find yourself surrounded by grape vines, but instead in an urban setting. And this barrel red wine is a very good wine, but it is a wine. So it might have some bourbon notes to it, particularly that oak, but if you do not like a very dark, very dry red wine, you probably won't like it. But there are plenty of other wines at 502 Winery, and if you do have someone that would prefer a wine tasting over a bourbon tasting, they are a great location, and I would highly recommend you go. So today I am drinking this bourbon barrel red wine from Old 502 Winery, a winery here in Louisville, Kentucky, so it is in bourbon country, but it's still a very nice wine with a slight oak and bourbon barrel note to it. Now, let's start our study off with a prayer. Almighty God, in the busyness of our lives, it can be difficult to see your spirit, but we know it is still there, and we ask that this moment can be a moment of rest and relaxation for us. Let this not be the best part of our day, but merely a building block to something better to come. Amen. Today we are splitting up our reading into two sections, particularly discussing two parables that Jesus tells his disciples. Matthew chapter 9, verse 14 through 17. Then John's disciples came and asked him, How is it that we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus answered, How can the guest of the bridegroom mourn while he is still with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. Then they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the wineskins will burst. The wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. Matthew Chapter 9, verse 14 through 17. You don't get as much sound off my glass when it's wine instead of bourbon. But as you can see from our reading, it's another reason why I decided that if I'm going to do an episode where I drink wine, it would be today. Because we are discussing this parable about wineskins. And in these verses, we see the disciples of John the Baptist come to Jesus and are puzzled by the fact that Jesus and his disciples do not fast like them or the Pharisees. Jesus responds by using the analogy of a wedding feast, suggesting that fasting would be inappropriate while he, the bridegroom, is still present with them. Which makes sense. If you were at a wedding you would expect that people would be celebrating. If someone was not partaking in the food, then you might reasonably assume that they weren't happy about the celebration. You might have a few questions for them. I once sat on an interview for a pastor who was coming into a community setting. He wasn't going to be a pastor at a church, but instead in a close community and was supposed to foster growth within that community. And the interview was around a lunch. So everyone sat down and shared this meal together, but he refused to eat, not even a small bite. And he also refused any explanation on why he didn't want to eat. And it was a bit off-putting. It was surprising that in this moment where we were supposed to be coming together and learning more about him, he refused to join us in this meal. It's needless to say he was not hired for the role. And the same is true here with Jesus. He's saying that this is a moment of celebration. Frankly, in the gospel, this is as good as it gets. Jesus is teaching, his followers are growing, but he's not yet to the point where the Roman and Jewish officials were going to kill him. This was the time for eating and celebration until, well, the resurrection. However, in this, Jesus does foreshadow his departure indicating that there will be a time for fasting in the future. A time that we will fast, and as Christians, we sometimes do. Uh, Depending on your Christian tradition, you might fast for certain periods. And it's a great custom to have, because the bridegroom has now left us. He's still with us, but he has ascended back into heaven. And this interaction shows us a bit of the break between John's disciples and Jesus. John was the forerunner, the Elijah, but his disciples didn't seem to come over in mass to Jesus. And this is something that continues. John's disciples, in some form, often stayed John's disciples. They did not become followers of Christ. And this discussion shows this break. But part of this break isn't just about following John or Jesus. Because in the end, John was teaching the coming of Jesus. The break really comes between the old and the new. Jesus makes it clear that he is new. That there is a change happening currently, and the old will be cast aside. He discusses it using new and old wineskins. Something that might be a bit foreign to us today is our wine, like the wine I'm drinking today, comes in a bottle, not in a skin at all. Now, I get a lot of questions from people about the nature of this podcast, particularly the fact that I drink while I discuss the Bible. One of the common comments that I get from people is that Jesus never drank wine, that instead he referred to new wine, which they assume was completely non-alcoholic. Uh, therefore, they say that Jesus never drank any alcoholic wine, and the wine he drank was little more than grape juice. And for many reasons, this is just incorrect. The process used to make non-alcoholic wine, or grape juice, wasn't known to anyone until the 1800s with the invention of pasteurization. Before then, any grape juice had some level of alcohol to it. And new wine doesn't refer to a non-alcoholic wine at all. In fact, new wine had been fermented back then for several days before it was ever transferred into wineskins, as this wine was. And the reason you would put new wine into a new wineskin was to continue this fermentation process. New wineskins were flexible, and the wine itself was able to ferment more in this new wineskin. The gases that were created through the process of fermentation were able to seep through a new wineskin in a way that they could not through an old. If you were to place new wine in an old wineskin, the gas produced from fermentation would swell and make the wineskin burst, spilling your wine all over the place. And that's why you'd put new wine in a new wineskin. Because when you placed it in this wineskin, it would become more alcoholic as the weeks wore on. So both scientifically, and also just by a matter of fact, Jesus was referring to an alcoholic wine. It is a new wine that was becoming more alcoholic as each day went on. It wasn't grape juice. But also... That analogy of a new wine being poured into a new wineskin also gets to the point of this message, because it's something new, something different. You can't place something new in an old wineskin because the wineskin would break, ruining both the wineskin and the wine. It's only a new wineskin, something fresh that can hold a new wine, something likewise fresh. And the same is true with Christianity. You cannot make it fit in the old religious tradition. It's not Judaism. It's not the same way that the rabbis and the Pharisees practiced their faith. It's the same God. It's the same text held within the Old Testament. But it's different. You have to find a new place for it. And if you try to shove it in the old tradition, in the same way that some of John's disciples did, you'll find that it's not going to fit. And in some ways, it'll ruin both. And the same is true with a new patch on an old pair of jeans. If you've already shrunk those jeans down by washing them multiple times, and you place a brand new piece of fabric somewhere on them, when that fabric shrinks, it'll tear the jeans. Jesus is telling us, twice, here in this passage, that our tradition, the tradition of Christianity, is not the same as the tradition of Judaism. The tradition of the Pharisees and those followers of John who did not come over to Christianity is not the same as the traditions of those who followed Christ. Christ is calling us into something new. New wineskins and new wine. Our next passage doesn't cover wine. Instead, it covers something else. Us, as the workers, helping with the harvest. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35-38. through 38, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Matthew, chapter 9, verse 35-38 This passage comes before the second dialogue of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And this passage summarizes what Jesus has done so far since the last dialogue before the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has gone through towns and villages, teaching in synagogues and proclaiming the good word, as well as healing the sick and the needy. He said crowds had come to him, and he had compassion on those crowds, but those crowds weren't always perfect. Sometimes they were in tune with what he was saying, and other times they just seemed to enjoy the miracles. And not the teaching. Sometimes they were pushed away by authorities and those in power, and other times these crowds were allowed to gather. But in many ways, they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he turns to his disciples here and tells them that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, which is quite frankly a very basic parable. As workers go out in a field to prepare for a harvest, so too much the workers of Christ go out into the field to harvest souls, and he says this here, because in the very next chapter, he sends his disciples out, giving them the authority to drive out evil spirits to heal disease and illness, and to show the people of the villages and the towns the love of God. in part, he has shown them through these last few weeks what they are supposed to do, to preach and to live like he has, knowing that sometimes they will be mistreated and sometimes people may not listen to them. But that's okay. He is still calling them to go out into the masses because they are sheep without a shepherd. They are people you should have compassion on, even if they don't have compassion for you. You should treat them well, even if they send you away, because it's not their fault They are without guidance. But we have a lot of work to do today too. A lot of work that has continued after Jesus' resurrection. The disciples spread the gospel message, but we're successors to that mission. Jesus isn't just telling the disciples here that they need to go out as workers in the field, but we do too. We need to go spread the love of God, the compassion of our divine, and the peace which it brings. And we're going to continue next week talking about how we can spread that and how Jesus told the disciples to spread that very message. As always, if you have any questions, please reach out to me at bibleperiodbourbon at gmail.com. Additionally, while it is true that Jesus drank an occasional glass of wine, as I am today, an occasional glass is different than an addiction. If you need help, please seek it, But if you need help and don't know where to look, please reach out to me and I'll be happy to guide you. Blessings, everyone.